From the Financial Times in London, I'm Martin Arnold, Banking Editor. This is FT News. This week brought grim news for the City of London about the size of the bill that Brexit will present to the banking system. A report out from consultants Oliver Wyman for the first time put detailed figures on how much the costs and the capital requirements of banks in Europe will increase. Joining me to discuss this is Matthew Austin, a partner at Oliver Wyman, and Emma Dunkley, the FT's retail banking correspondent. So Matt, what are the main findings of the report? The main findings really are that we're now at a point in the process where banks are now moving to implement their contingency plans for the post-Brexit timeframe. And what we're seeing is that there are going to be impacts in terms of a shift of jobs away from the UK and from London in particular into EU entities. The estimate of the number of jobs that are involved remain consistent with the estimates we've generated through our work in the second half of last year when we worked with the City UK and the financial services sector more broadly to understand the impact. And those estimates remain the same. I think the additional findings that we've included in this report relate to the amount of capital, which we estimate is going to be an additional 30 to 50 billion across the sector, as well as the additional operating costs of approximately a billion. And these are really a consequence of the fragmentation, so needing to have multiple rather than a single legal entity in order to cover business in Europe. And just to be precise on that, your estimate of 30 to $50 billion of extra capital requirements for the banks, that would be an increase of some 15 to 30% on top of the capital that wholesale banks already have in Europe. And you're estimating an increase in their annual cost base of 2 to 4%. So this is going to hit return on equity. Tell us about that. There's an impact in terms of return on equity, probably in the range of 2 to 4% as a consequence both of operating costs and the cost of capital. Now, the range really is a function of how banks are able to optimise the legal entity structure and capital within it over the course of time. So there's obviously there will be a transitionary period when both the existing UK legal entity and the new EU legal entity will need to be capitalised at levels which are significantly higher than the levels that they are today. Over time, there may be some scope to optimise that. But yes, we see an overall impact of somewhere between two and four points drag on return on equity. Now, the UK is not set to leave the EU until March 2019. Negotiations have already started as part of the Article 50 process. So there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously. We're hearing more and more announcements about banks choosing Frankfurt or Amsterdam or Dublin to set up their alternative operations that they need to set up for coping with the disruption of Brexit. But why are banks acting now? Banks now have developed their contingency plans for Brexit. And those are obviously very detailed and look at really what the day one operating model is that is required to support business basically immediately that the two-year period has passed. So develop those plans and furthermore they have started to undertake actions or implement actions within those plans which we describe as no regrets moves. So things for example such as acquiring office space launching applications for regulatory licenses and approvals. And these are activities which they have a lead time. 
they're relatively low cost to undertake and can be reversed. And so these are actions that are being taken now. Obviously, as we move over the course of the next two years, banks will have to start taking some of the tougher actions, including capitalizing the legal entity, including moving headcount into the legal entity. And those actions become harder and more costly to reverse. But obviously, in the absence of any greater clarity than that which exists now, banks will have to plan for the lowest access scenario. And unless there's any new information that changes that, those are the plans that they will enact as the time deadline comes closer. Okay, so as time progresses, they will take more and more serious actions that will be harder to reverse. And your forecast for the impact on jobs in the city is pretty stark because you think in the worst case scenario, some 40,000 wholesale banking jobs in the UK could be lost. Yes, that's right. So if we look at the sort of day one impact, then our estimate would be somewhere between twelve and 17,000 jobs in wholesale banking that would be effectively no longer in the UK, but would be elsewhere in the EU. And this sort of tallies broadly with the sum of the announcements that we've heard over the last several months. But I guess if you look further forward beyond that day one scenario, then yes, we think that somewhere that total could actually be in the range of 35 to 40,000, as there are broader ecosystem impacts. For example, it may well be the business makes the decision to co-locate sales and traders so that they are close together. And you know, it may well be that other parts of the financial services sector have moved into other parts of the EU and therefore the banks will need to get close to them in order to cover them effectively. So yes, we see that in the long term, those sorts of shifts could lead to a total of thirty-five to 40,000 jobs in wholesale banking moving from the UK into the EU. Okay, that's a pretty sobering assessment. Thank you very much, Matt, for joining us. So, Emma, there was also some news this week from HSBC on Brexit. Tell us what Stuart Gulliver, the CEO, said. So HSBC is the first large UK bank to come out with a price tag on Brexit, estimating that the initial disruption could cost the bank between $200 million and $300 million as a result. And Mr Gulliver also warned yesterday, alongside the bank's half-year results, that some $1 billion of revenue could be put at risk within its global banking and markets unit as a result of the impact of Brexit. He said he hopes to mitigate this by moving 1,000 of the bank's 6,000 strong investment banking workforce over to Paris, where it has some operations. So just to say that a number of the banks have started revealing more of their plans recently, following the Prudential Regulation Authority's deadline that it imposed upon lenders a couple of weeks ago to submit plans for Brexit. I think there is some concern behind the scenes that perhaps some banks aren't quite up to speed on their planning. And as part of some of these plans, banks had to submit what they expect to do in order to meet worst case scenario, whereby there isn't really a deal and there is a loss of passporting, whereby banks can freely move their services across Europe. It also had to submit plans for a realistic scenario, what could happen, and then a best case scenario. But I don't think too many banks focused uh, too much of their resources on that. And as part of these findings, we've heard that some of the lenders based in the UK, for example, based in London, who currently passport their services across Europe, as part of a worst case scenario planning, if they were to set up a subsidiary in Europe, they found that it would be too uneconomical for them and therefore they might end up retreating and perhaps shutting up shop in some cases and just moving back to their home jurisdiction. Thanks, Laura and Matt. 
This is an edited segment of the FT Banking Weekly podcast. You can find the full edition every Tuesday on ft.com slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.